President Trump announces he's running for president again. Conservative Kyle Kashiv has his Harvard acceptance rescinded. The whole slavery reparations thing is being debated again. We'll go through that every few years. And finally, AOC continues to be a dumbass. The media continues to defend her. And for some reason, we continue to get ticked off about it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. So, uh, sorry, I've been gone. I'm actually working on my book. You know, you guys know I'm doing that lately. I'm trying to get some chapters in, so I'm probably going to shorten these up a little bit and uh, do them a little bit more often to keep them consistent. I think the biggest problem I had is I should have finished the book first before I started the podcast, because doing this every day, I seem to be getting a little better at it. But let's go on to the news. Uh, in Orlando, Florida, Donald Trump has decided to make his big announcements. With every ounce of heart and might and sweat and soul, we're going to keep making America great again. And then we will indeed keep America great. And we will keep it so great. Better than ever before. We're going to keep it better than ever before. And that is why tonight I stand before you to officially launch my campaign for a second term as President of the United States. Thank you. This was one of the most anticlimactic moments in Trump's presidency. I mean, everyone was pumped up. Uh, There were 20,000 people there at this stadium, uh, some of whom had to wait for more than 40 hours to get in. But it was anticlimactic. And there were a couple of reasons why I thought it was kind of, it kind of could have been better. Uh, first off, well, duh, everyone knew he was going to be running again. Uh, but he could have, you could tell that Trump was holding back a little bit. Apparently, he wasn't as funny. He wasn't as vicious as he usually is. Apparently, his speechwriters probably told him it's not to say anything too controversial so that, well, you know, when he actually goes in and he has to debate some of these people. They don't want to use his his actual announcement speech as to be used against him. So I'm sure he kind of uh, backed off a little bit. His speech was a little bit boring, a little bit tame, it, but it was fun. I mean, he still had a very good speech. He looked just very restrained, and that kind of sucks because Trump is such a such a funny guy when he actually just lets loose. But the worst part of the speech was his 2020 catchphrase, keep America great again. I was really disappointed. I loved make America great again. I mean, come on, seriously, MAGA? What a fantastic, you pass another conservative, MAGA. Twitter, half the names on Twitter are MAGA. It's MAGA, it's just cool. It's like Magnum or Magma. I mean, it just, MAGA is a statement of power of strength of fire right of you get hit by a magnum you're going down you put your foot in magma you are going to die i mean that is power keep america great again what are we going to do with that cag i understand that we really can't use the maga thing again because according looking at the world is we're pretty great right now but i mean cag he couldn't have, these guys needed to spend more than 15 minutes looking for a name. So, 
I, I got a feeling that everyone is going to stick with the MAGA thing. I like MAGA. I, I'll buy a CAG sh- uh, hat if I have to, but... Um, I mean, I didn't get a, I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't get a MAGA hat until way late and when they were like two ninety nine. But I mean, come on, CAG, you guys should have just spent a little bit more time again. Um, the economy is real. There are going to be a couple of things besides keep America great again, uh, shortening keep America great again that are really might actually get in his way. I, I, I'm not sure we're going to run into this, but. Unfortunately, the election is a year and a half away. I mean, if it was coming this coming November, I think we could, uh, I think he probably could have a very, very easy win. But uh, the first thing that we're really going to have to watch is the economy. It's going to be really important for his next election. Right now, we're just cruising along. Uh, But there are signs we're vulnerable. The stock market, though bullish, does seem to fluctuate up and down. This has been a good week. I think the stock market has gone up, I, I want to say, about a 1,000 points. So it was very strong this week. But, you know, a month ago, it was spent a week going down to 300 points a day. So this is kind of a, this is kind of a scary thing. Um, the job rate, though unemployment remains at 3.6%, uh, last month, only 75,000 jobs were created. So this, there could be a couple of reasons for this. There is an excess of jobs available. In other words, we have more jobs than there are people to fill them. 3.6% is about as low as you can get without, um, is about as low as you can get. It's almost, it's considered 0% unemployment. That's because 3% of, 3.6% or about 3% of the population is considered unemployable for whatever reason. This could be, if he keeps the unemployment rate at 3.6% and the job growth steadies out a little bit, that could be okay. But we got to kind of worry about uh, that 3.6 going to 4 to 4.2. And then before we know it, we're at 5. So that can be a little bit scary. And then um, the trade war actually seems to be working. But the trade war can be a little bit scary. The United States has not felt too much damage from trade. And that's essentially because a lot of companies in China, which typically are U.S. companies, are actually moving out of China to avoid these tariffs. That's a good thing. And some of those companies are coming to the United States. A lot of them are going to Mexico or, or going somewhere in Europe. But that is also hurting China. As of right now, we are winning the the trade war against China. We will win the trade war against China. China's economy completely depends on the United States. And you can see, you can see just by the tariffs that we put on China versus the tariffs they put on us. China, the United States has put tariffs on $500 billion worth of goods. Whereas China has only put, I think it was $60 billion worth of goods. China just doesn't import that much stuff. And you can see that that is a real discrepancy between the United States and the Chinese uh, uh, trade. And that's what Trump wants to actually open up. Now, China is beginning to suffer and we are winning. But that does not mean the United States is not going to suffer from higher 
import costs from other countries. So we're going to have to see on that one. I'm still a little wary. Um, other countries like Mexico, they're scared to death of the tariffs and, and the Chinese and the Americans are actually meeting again to discuss them. So that might actually be okay. Uh, the next problem that he's going to face is the instability of foreign policy. It's not that Trump's bad at foreign policy. He's actually quite good in some ways. There's, there's, we're going to talk at the end. I di in my introduction, I didn't mention Iran because Iran apparently is being naughty over there and we just got some more news, so it's time to bring that up. But his policy with our enemies that include Iran and North Korea and China, they seem to feel comfortable harassing the United States. And Trump, and that's especially in today, it's especially with Iran. Trump seems to be a little bit wary of shooting back. Now, he has actually gone in, he has taken action, let's say, against Syria. But Syria was with a multinational force. It was with England, it was with France. Yeah, France, can you believe that? So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And we're going to talk about Iran later on. I'm not even going to bring it up until later because this is just getting kind of hairy. I don't want to spend an entire podcast talking about it because we're still really up in the air on what's going on with Iran. But what he does with Iran and how he, he deals with Iran will really determine how he's going to be seen with his foreign policy. And the big problem... Now, we'll talk about that later. And finally, the big thing that I think is going to hurt Trump is he seriously needs to stop tweeting. He really does. He is... Someone needs to take his iPhone away, throw it out. They need to cancel his Twitter account because he just says the wrong things. And when we talk about Iran at the end of this podcast, that's going to be an example. Please stop tweeting. He starts calling. It, the insults need to stop. Middle American women do not like him. And I don't like him. Personally, I think he's just, he's a creep. He's a cretin. He's just, he's just, he sounds dumb. He doesn't sound presidential. He sounds just too, way too alpha male. He just needs to stop the tweeting. Stop saying stupid things. Stop picking fights with people. Likewise, he needs to stop talking to the mainstream media. That interview he had with George Stephanopoulos, how did he think that was going to go? George Stephanopoulos worked for Bill Clinton. George Stephanopoulos is a diehard left-winger. He hates Trump. And he holds a meeting with John Stephanopoulos? A, uh, excuse me, an interview? What was he thinking? Stephanopoulos was going to do anything he could to try and trip him up. Now, Trump did okay. He did okay. I didn't think he did bad. He said some things that was that were kind of questionable. And, and some of the things he said were, I mean, Trump fantasy land. For example, talk about the polls. But that does not mean that uh, he needs to... It does, just doesn't need to say any of that stuff. So I think his people need to get him off of Twitter. In other news, but I, as of right now, I, here's the thing. I'm going to go back to that. Here's the thing. Ben Shapiro says this best. And I think, I, I, I think everybody at the Daily Wire says this. And you should subscribe to the Daily Wire. It's an awesome, awesome publication. Uh, also, Stephen Crowder. He's great, too. 
Um, the thing is, let the Democrats be crazy. The Democrats are absolutely insane right now. I have not even talked about the Democrat, the, the 62 Democratic uh, presidential candidates because I do not have the time nor the energy to go over each one of them. I'm waiting for a few to get kicked out. I hope to God it's just the ones from Montana and some of those small cities. Buttigieg, whatever his name is, um, Beto, I hope he stays, uh, even though they're running at 0%. Because I just want to make fun of them. But the others that I don't know, I don't even want to talk about them. But let the gem, let the dams be crazy. Don't Trump needs to stay away from being crazy. Trump is nuts. Stay away from being nuts. You don't have to show it. You can be you could be insane. You can have 75 bodies hidden under the Oval Office floorboards. But you'll get elected as long as you don't show. You've got 75 bodies, bodies under the Oval Office floorboards. In other news, this is really tragic, and I think this is absolutely terrible. Uh, I'm, I just, Kyle Kashif is an 18-year-old man who was just accepted into Harvard University. Uh, actually, this was a few months ago. He deserved it. He held a 5.6 weighted GPA, which means he took all honors classes and got above A's in his honors classes. He had a 1550 SAT score. And if I'm correct, uh, that is 50 points from a perfect score. I believe 1600 is a perfect score. And he was second in a class of 800. What's more, he did all this while surviving the mass shooting at Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida. He became a very public activist who proclaimed that he was a conservative and he was pro-Second Amendment. So he actually resisted the temptation to go for gun control simply because he survived a shooting. He realized, and he's, he has pretty decent arguments for a 17, 18-year-old. He's had decent arguments. Not great arguments. Let's remember, he's 17 and 18 years old. He's still a high school, still a high school kid. And that's going to be important later. But it's never good to be a conservative. It's never good to be a conservative and a public figure. And it's never good to be a conservative, a public figure, and want to get into a leftist college. And by the way, when I say leftist college... They're all leftist colleges now. Uh, a long time ago, a long time ago, uh, no, actually when he was about 16, so it was about two years, he's about 18 years right now, he and a, a bunch of friends got, uh, and I say friends in air quotes because uh, one of his friends actually set him up, uh, were actually collaborating on a private Google Doc. And apparently what these kids were doing, 16 years old, mind you, they were saying the most defamatory, disgusting, terrible things they could think of. I mean, we're talking uh, kill the Jews things, the N-word things. This was supposed to be really bad. And apparently they were all doing it. Well, one of his friends, in air quotes, decided to send when he got accepted into Harvard, decided to send that Google Doc to the Harvard, 
Harvard Admissions Board. The Harvard Admissions Board sent him a letter saying they were pending a rescinding of his uh, of his application of his acceptance because of this wording. Now Kyle, and I reason I call him Kyle and not Kashiv is I have nothing but problems pronouncing that name, but Kyle basically apologized. He admitted it. He admitted it. And the school accepted his admittance, and then they said, "Okay." Send us uh, everything you've done, everything you've said. So what did he do? He did it again. He doubled down. He said, this is what I did. I did this. I did this. I did this. All pertaining to that time. He sent it back to the college within 72 hours. They didn't even give him a week. He had 72 hours to send this to him, send this to them. The college took it. The admissions board took it. They read it. They sent it to the the Harvard Diversity Board. They read it. The Harvard Diversity Board actually recommended, get this, keeping him. They said, okay, he sounds like a great kid. He made a mistake. He's 16. 16 16-year-olds are stupid. Let's face it, all 16-year-olds are stupid. You'd have no prefrontal cortex at 16. That's why 16-year-olds shouldn't be driving at 16, because they're just stupid. They make bad decisions. They say stupid things. He did. I mean, we're not talking he was throwing rocks through a church window or anything. He was talking. At 16, I said lots of crappy things. And my friends said lots of crappy things. But I'm not running for president. Basically, the so the diversity board said, no, we'll take him in and we'll work with him. And, you know, we'll, we'll, get, him, we'll get him back to, in shape. But the admissions board said no. And... What's tragic here is that it is too late for him to actually apply anywhere else. He had full board scholarships to several different heavy schools. New York University. I mean, this, this is a smart kid. This is a really smart kid. If you listen to him speak, yes, some of his reasoning is not there yet, but that's development. That's just because he's 18. But you can tell he's a smart, nice kid. And these people at Harvard are trying to ruin his life. Now, I was listening to the Stephen Crowder show and they had Tim Pool on. And by the way, the Stephen Crowder show, another one you should subscribe to. That's a, that's a absolutely great show. Um, and Tim Pool, who is basically a free speech envoy, he loves free speech. He's a, a centrist, a leftist centrist. He's kind of right in the middle. So he's not left wing. He's not even liberal. He's not left wing. He's not right wing. Um, basically said, you know, he didn't know what to think about it. He wasn't sure if this was actually, um, uh, he was actually had his application rescinded because he was a conservative. And I'll give Tim Poole some of that because he's right. I. Harvard has rescinded a lot of things, a lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, admissions in the past due to social media talk. So I don't necessarily think Tim Pool is wrong there. And it's not like Harvard didn't know who this guy was. I, I, Kyle Kashev is on the Ben Shapiro show. He's on Fox News. He is on the most conservative uh, programs and podcasts out there. But here's the thing. Kashev isn't the first person to have a really bad comments 
on the internet or on television or on social media. And he didn't say anything on social media. What he said wasn't in public. It was in private. Um, and he was only 16 when he said it. No forgiveness? What is this? I bet you a dollar we could, I could go to every one of those board members at the Harvard. And I guarantee you, if we could dig in the back of their lives, we're going to find something. I mean, look at Northam over in West Virginia. Blackface or a Ku Klux Klan hat. I don't know what he was doing, which he was. But I mean, that's, and he was 23, I think it was. He was forgiven. He did something really dumb at a really dumb age. Is that a good reason to ruin the rest of his life? And they did. They damaged his life. He's going to recover. He's going to recover. He's a smart kid. He is going to recover. But this also damages him. But what really is going to jack Harvard up in this argument is they accepted his classmate, David Hogg, who... That, that is going to look really bad. Hogg is a left wing and a gun control freak and has half the qualifications, has half the qualifications of, um, of uh, uh, Kyle. David Hogg got rejected from UCLA. One of the reasons that David Hogg is, is, was going to take a year off is quote, I want to work on my activism. He doesn't want to work on his activism. He didn't want to go to a Cal State school because they had rejected him at the UC schools. He wasn't that smart. But what's terrible about this whole thing is how disgusting David Hogg is. This guy talks the worst, most vile crap, the most hateful speech of anyone. I mean, this man just is disgust. Not he's not even a man. He's a kid too. Don't get me wrong. He's a kid too, and he should be. If Harvard wants to take him, he should be in Harvard if he has the qualifications. But uh, I tell you what, I got a little clip here. Why don't you just listen to this? This is David Hogg in an interview, an interview that was on television, and they didn't beep some of this stuff out. You just listen to this, and you will. Oh, oh my. Like, do you guys ever think, like, why the f*** are we the ones who are doing this? Well, at this point, it's like, when you're, when you're your old-ass parents, like, I don't know how to send an iMessage, and you're just like, give me the f phone, and you take, and you're like, okay, let parents. me handle it, and wow. you get it done in one second. Sadly, that's what we have to do with our government, because our parents don't know how to use a democracy, so we have to. It just oh makes me gosh. think what sick are out there that want to continue to sell more guns, murder more children, and honestly just get reelected. Where, what type of person are you when you want to see more money than children's lives? How, what type of person does that? Yeah, that's Harvard material right there. Real quality guy. And that's the guy they want to let in. They want to give up, give up on a kid with a 1600, with a, his qualifications because he said some stupid stuff when he was 16 years old. This kid's 18 years old. He's talking like that. Talking about his parents like that. Talking about his government like that. Talking about the country like that. Kid is an absolute piece of garbage. And, he, and trust me, he's just as bad on Twitter. They've got enough crap on David Hogg to keep him out of Harvard or keep him out of any college. He is a hateful, hateful piece of crap. And I, I trust me, I, this is the anger part, and this is going to be about as angry as I'm going to get. I just think it's completely unfair.
I do think um, I do think the right or conservatives, and in this in Kyle's case, he's just a libertarian. He's not even really that conservative. I think this is what's happening in our colleges. And I think he's going to be fine. I, he, I, matter of fact, I would say, you know what? Screw college. I almost cussed again. Screw college. Go invent something because you're smarter than that. He's already got a serious, he's got a serious future. But I think in the end, it just shows how our colleges are just going to hell in a handbasket. Okay. So, in another, that first part was the ticked off gene version of the podcast. Now we're going to end really strong. We're going to do the happy, funny gene portion of the podcast. So it, the, the, the next couple of stories are kind of funny and then we got to get serious again, but we can't get too serious because we just don't know what's going on. So uh, it's been two years, so it's election time and uh, now it's time to start pandering. And one of the best ways to pander is reparations because you got to get that black vote. Now, understand something, I'll never say African-American, and I will never say African-American again. And the reason I'll never say African-American again was because I called one of my co-workers once an African-American, and he told me he was from the Caribbean, and I asked him, well, I'm not going to call you a Caribbean-American because it's way too many syllables. And he told me, no, just call me black because that's what I am. So I will call everyone black. If you are African-American and you're getting really upset, I would rather just call you American. I'd rather not call you black. I don't identify people by color, but apparently people do. So I've got to deal with that kind of stuff. So Congress, uh, because they have nothing else better to do, like secure the border or anything like that, has decided they're going to hold a hearing on reparations, slavery reparations. So they had a bunch of pro-reparations folks, like that hack writer Tanahishi I can never pronounce his name, Tanahishi Coates. They had actor Danny Glover and, of course, Senator Cory Booker had to be there. We'll talk about him. Um, these guys are absolutely hysterical. Uh, so listen, and we're going to talk about the actual uh, hypocrisy of these people. So listen up. Majority Leader McConnell cited civil rights legislation yesterday, as well he should, because he was alive to witness the harassment, jailing, and betrayal of those responsible for that legislation by a government sworn to protect them. The matter of reparations is one of making amends and direct redress, but it is also a question of citizenship. In H.R. 40, this body has a chance to both make good on its 2009 apology for enslavement and reject fair weather patriotism. Justice for black people will not flow into society merely from court decisions nor from fountains of political oratory, nor will a few token changes quell all the temptuous yearnings of millions of disadvantaged black people. White America must recognize that justice for black people cannot be achieved without radical changes in the structure of our society. It's about time we find the common ground and the common purpose to deal with the ugly past and make sure that generations ahead do not have to continue to mark disparities, but can truly talk about a nation where, as our ancestors spoke from the good book, where justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. I got to be honest with you. If it weren't for the fact that I know Cory Booker is really stupid because he said a lot of stupid things. 
he could really be a great order. I mean, he does he does use language really well. And I I thought that was a very I thought what he said was very striking. I thought it was a very nice little speech. It was dead wrong. It was absolutely dead wrong. And that's the problem with Cory Booker. I mean, this is the I am Spartacus guy. This is the guy who sat there and said he's going to release and lose his Senate seat because he's going to release documents that were approved 24 hours prior. And that's during the Kavanaugh thing. But I I, I digress. I digress. I'm going to get back to him. Uh, this is just so stupid. Why do we have to go through this every time there's an election? And they're... And then, you know, the panderer bear, Cory Booker, I, I, it's still by, he still bothers me. He's trying to get some attention. That's the only reason he's there. He doesn't need reparations. He doesn't care. I, it couldn't, but he's got to get that attention. He's got to get something different because him making speeches over at empty halls is not working anymore. And he's writing at like 1% polling. That's too bad because I really want, I can't wait to see the debates next week, but I really want him to go up against, well, I'd love to see, we're going to, and I'm going to have a podcast on that. I want to talk about the actual presidential candidates. I want to see debate because I think it will be absolutely hysterical. I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. Sorry. Uh, there was, there was one thing. There was one person in there, um, one young man that testified and he really gets it. He gets it. And he was actually, by blood, related to slaves. I'm only going to play a part of his speech because the speech was a little bit long. But I suggest you listen to it. Uh, and he really got a lot of derision from the crowd, which was all black, and from a Representative Cohen, who is the chair of the committee. Uh, his name is Coleman Hughes. He is a writer. He is a uh, columnist and journalist. He has published on places like the New York Times, I think the Washington Ti Washington Post, uh, the Wall Street Journal. Very intelligent guy. And he really does sum this up very well. I think he sums it up as a conservative. So listen up. I understand that reparations are about what people are owed, regardless of how well they're doing. I understand that. But the people who are owed for slavery are no longer here. And we're not entitled to collect on their debts. Reparations, by definition, are only given to victims. So the moment you give me reparations, you've made me into a victim without my consent. Not just that, you've made one third of black Americans who poll against reparations into victims without their consent. And black Americans have fought too long for the right to define themselves to be spoken for in such a condescending manner. The question is not what America owes me by virtue of my ancestry. The question is what all Americans owe each other by, by virtue of being citizens of the same nation. And the obligation of citizenship is not transactional. It's not contingent on ancestry. It never expires and it can't be paid off. For all these reasons, Bill H.R. 40 is a moral and political mistake. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hughes. Chill, 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 chill. He was presumptive, but he still has a right to speak. Now, did you notice a couple of things? One, 
Mr. Mr. Coleman hit it right on the head. He's not a black man. Or, I'm sorry, Mr. Hughes. Not Mr. Coleman. It's his first name. He hit it right on the head. He's not a black man. He's not hereditary. He's not a hereditary slave. He's an American. This is a guy who recognizes that he's had privilege. And he actually talks about that in the beginning of the speech. He recognizes that it is America that allowed him, in just 50, 60 years, where he was actually, his people were, or black people, not his people, he's my people, he's our people. This is the problem with this whole thing. And then, listen to the crowd, boo, boo, what a shock. The Democrats pack the uh, pack the crowd with black people who already agree with them. And that Representative Cohen, what a piece of garbage. Why is he telling everyone to chill? Would he say that in front of a bunch of white people? Or would he just slam his thing? At order, at order. No. He's talking down to these people. And what's that crap with the... Well, he could be presumptive. What does that even mean? I, I'm just really disgusted. I think the Democratic uh, House has really got to get their garbage together because they're falling apart. They're looking really bad. And America is looking at this and saying, you've got to be kidding me. We've got so many problems. You're worried about this. Drugs, homeless, a border problem. We're looking at problems over in Iran. We got all these problems and you guys are worried about reparations and indicting a president that has already been proven not guilty or not proven not guilty, but no evidence that he had did anything. This is just getting crazy. But here's here's the whole thing. There are so many problems with this whole thing right off the bat. This whole testimony this whole congressional hearing. First, every person testifying is testifying is black, but they're also successful and rich. Coates is a famous writer. He's a crappy writer. He's written best-selling books. He's a millionaire. People, you know, hang on his word. He's just he's really a lousy writer. He writes within a silo, which means it's this, 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 and that. And there's no actual outside of that. So, for example, if you're white, you're privileged. Okay, if you're white, you had privilege throughout your life, you throughout your lifetime, throughout your ancestry. Uh, that's not exactly correct. The Irish were actually pissed on when they when uh, in the beginning of the uh, beginning of the 20th century. The Italians were pissed on in the beginning of the 20th century. Half the reason you had the mafia in the 20th century is because of how badly they were treated. Danny Glover is bitching about blacks needing money to uh, make up for slavery is hysterical too. This is a guy who got a job acting. is a millionaire because he made maybe three, four good movies. And I think three, four good movies. Let's let's. Lethal Weapon was the first movie he made was good. That was it. I'm assuming he made three, four good movies. And then the last one, I already talked about Cory Booker. He's just worthless. Uh, 
Now there was one. There was a pastor of some. There was a pastor of some church that spoke, and I respected him. He actually went on Tucker Carlson later. He was wrong. He was dead wrong. He didn't say anything different than what anyone else said. But at least he had the guts to to really stand up for his beliefs. So I respect him. All the people that testified for reparations, all they did was prove that there there has been no systemic racism since the 60s, the 1960s. Okay? After the Jim Crow laws were repealed and the Jim Crow laws were evil. And I'll give you a step further. If anyone gets reparations... It's for those people who lived through the Jim Crow laws. It's like when the Japanese and the Koreans were stuck in internment camps and they received reparations. They deserved it because they had their actual houses taken away, their careers taken away. I, I understand that. People who lived through Jim Crow, they should maybe they should receive reparations because they actually suffered. None of those people that were sitting on that that floor today. Maybe Danny Glover, though I think he came in later. None of those people ever suffered through Jim Crow. They don't know systemic racism. And after 1964, I believe, was when the Civil Rights Bill was passed, there was no systemic racism. It was illegal to be a racist. Or to... It was illegal to actually stop someone from being racist. From uh, uh, public resources being... to deny someone based on their skin color. Yes, it took a while. It did not just end in 1964, but it did slow down and we were fixing ourselves. These people, here, here's the secret. In the United States today, you can achieve the pursuit of, you, can, you have the pursuit of liberty, life, and property or happiness. It doesn't matter what your color is. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your ancestry. You have to grab it. And the three morons, and actually, basically all the morons that were up there talking in front of Congress, they all succeeded. They were all rich. They were all powerful, including, uh, including, Mr., um, including Mr. Hughes. Next... Who's going to pay who exactly? None of the tax money should go to anyone because none of my tax money should go to anyone because uh, my family wasn't here. I was, I wasn't here. No one was here when this country had slavery, much less, much less owned a slave. As a matter of fact, my family didn't own slaves when they were in Europe. The also not all blacks were slaves. Do they do they get compensation? What about the blacks who are successful? Does Oprah Winfrey get reparations because she might have a uh, she might have um, uh, a lineage to slavery? Why should I, who barely survives, give money? To the government, so they can hand Oprah Winfrey or Danny Glover or Tanishi, um, whatever his name is. Why should I give them my money? I work hard too. 
Another issue is that there's not one slave left alive. Is it really fair that people get money because someone in their family they never knew was a slave? And how do you figure out lineage? For example, just because you're a black man doesn't mean you have lineage to slavery. For all you know, you came over for all they know they came over on a boat from the Caribbean. You you we just don't know. Well, if this thing goes through and they start looking up, the, I'm going to buy stock in 23andMe because they're going to have to figure out exactly who is owed reparations and who is not owed reparations. Finally, how is this going to bring the country together? Is giving away thousands of bucks to every black person mean that they still won't be pissed off after they receive the thousand bucks? And are white people going to really have their guilt, air quotes, lifted because they gave their money to someone they don't know for something they didn't do? I bet blacks who are pissed off are still going to be pissed off when they get their money, uh, pissed off at whites when they get their money. And now I think whites are going to be pissed off at blacks because they were giving, they were having to give their money to give to someone else. It's just going to create more of a divide in the country. It's going to emphasize racial problems that just aren't there. We really don't have systemic racism. We don't have systemic bigotry. Okay, I wasted more breath on this topic than it deserves, and I thought I was going to be happy. I actually thought it was, and it's not, I was actually getting ticked off on that one too. Uh, it's not going any, but here's the thing. It's not going anywhere. Everyone knows it's not going where. This is just another election talking point for the left, which is go which is why uh, zero polling Corey Booker decided to actually go out there and testify because then he can sit there in a debate and tell Bernie Sanders, well, I'm for this. Oh, the other story. This is fun is courtesy of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. This gal is so dumb, she doesn't have enough brain power to, to flicker a nightlight uh, light bulb. I mean, she is just, my God. But, you know, <laughs> I got some thoughts on her, too. Why is everyone getting so pissed off at her? She's awesome. I, I love Ocasio-Cortez. I'll tell you why in a couple of seconds. But right now, let's let's listen to her. Let's listen to her clip that she made this week. I, she had to have been drinking wine when she made this clip because it was so stupid. Okay, here we go. The United States is running concentration camps on our southern border. And that is exactly what they are. They are concentration camps. And... Um, if that doesn't bother you, I don't, I got I like, we can have, okay, whatever. I wanna talk to the people that are concerned enough with humanity to say that we should not, that never again means something. And that um, the fact that concentration camps are now an institutionalized practice in the home of the free is extraordinarily disturbing. Um, she is so dumb. 
I mean, just she doesn't even make sense. I have to believe, I have to honestly believe that that chick is actually drinking something. She can barely come out with words. I think she needs to maybe have a podcast or something. Maybe script what she's going to say because, Lord. And yeah, I could have done better editing. I could have edited out that um thing at the very end. But I it was just too funny and I, I, I decided to leave it in there. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about how she sounds so stupid and drunk. I'm not going to talk about how she just minimized the Holocaust. I'm not going to talk about how illegal aliens are just being jailed for, you know, breaking our laws. And none have fear of being, you know, put into a gas chamber. I'm not even going to talk about how the media consistently defends her and evil even doubles down on her absolute stupidity, her asinine, crazy comments. Oh, yeah, I am. Listen to this joker over on CNN. This is on the Chris Cuomo show. This is a gal named Angie. Listen to her go off when someone sat there and said, these aren't concentration camps. They're actually just really big jails. You'll love this. Let me just tell you, there are a whole lot of people making a whole lot of money by having these people in detention centers. We want to shift the attention as, as we should off of mass incarceration of black and brown people in this country. But now those monies are being transferred into detaining migrants at the border. It is a crisis, Steve. It is not OK just because they don't have their papers. I hope I, listen, that at I, some I, point I you wrestle with your conscience and get to the right side of this because, I, sir, you are I on the wrong side concur. of history. In 1933, there were concentrations camps in 1941 they were death camps and that is where we are going if our our consciences are not quickly pierced uh, me, i want to point out a couple of things in that diatribe that this angie angela gal i'm not even going to give her i'm not even going to look her up i screw it i'm going to give you a couple of comments on that diatribe she had first off do you notice that leftists you can see this on uh, tucker carlson's show you used to be able to see it on um uh, you can see it on CNN all the time because they always have these left-wingers come on. Do you notice they just keep talking and they talk over you? They never let you speak. They just continue. And, and as they go, the longer they speak, that was a 39-second clip. The longer they speak, and then when the conservative actually goes in there and starts arguing, they start just going off on something that actually destroys their argument. Okay, and they sound stupid by the very end. They just start screaming. They start talking over you. No one can get a word on edgewise. And what about Chris Cuomo? He was the one that was moderating that. Did he ever decide to sit back and, and let her talk? She broke into three or four different topics in that entire diatribe and, and didn't make didn't let them answer well wait a minute i could answer you on that i can answer you on that and then chris cuomo actually if you can actually hear you can hear this interview on uh youtube because it's very interesting they started with nationalism and global nationalism and what's the difference between nationalism and what the, the nazis nationalism here's a newsflash What's the difference between nationalism's opposite is not 
fascism. Nationals, nationalism's opposite is globalism. CNN, all those people are globalists. We don't agree with globalism. Nationalism just means country first. Globalism means we're not country, we're one world. That's the difference. Why does everyone associate nationalism with Nazis? They were an ethnic fascist country. And you could say ethnic nationalism if you'd like, but there's a big difference between nationalism and ethnic nationalism. Uh, but here's the thing. And, and Ben Shapiro, I think it was Ben Shapiro. No, it was Andrew Claven from the Daily Wire, subscribe, uh, said it best is he can't wait till Ocasio-Cortez says something so stupid that they're going to have to and see what they're going to do. And let's just say his example was she comes out one day and says the world's flat. What is the news media going to do? How are they going to defend that? It's kind of funny if you think about it because how they defend all of this stuff, I don't know. And they defend everything. So let's talk about all the fun stuff that Ocasio-Cortez has said that they've defended or at least not countered, or at least not brought up. So this is pretty awesome. So this is some of the stuff that she's actually said. The world's going to end in 12 years. Now, she said that multiple times. Go to YouTube, say AOC, 12 years, and you're going to get 50 places where she actually said this. Now, she drew back on that after a while, but the reality is she did say it. Um we need to kill cows to stop their farts from destroying the ozone layer. Wow. Uh, I don't even have anything to say to that. Uh, we're going to use high-speed trains instead of planes, which is going to be great if I want to go to Europe or go to Hawaii or go to anywhere, Alaska. How are we going to get through Canada? Don't you have... That's a border. Canada actually likes their border. How Amazon pays starvation wages... That ended the deal that would have brought 25,000 jobs to her district, and that might be why she's primaried in the next election. How cauliflower is an outgrowth of American colonialism. Why did everyone's, uh, everyone's of color stop growing yucca root instead? That's what they should be growing, yucca root from Mexico. Well, because cauliflower tastes good with butter and yucca, yucca uh, root doesn't. It sucks. They grew yucca root because they needed to. Could that have something to do with it? Oh, it gets better. How border agents are drugging and caging illegal immigrant children. Nice. I, anytime you hear these people say you rule by fear, remember that. No one's drugging kids and they're not in cages. As a matter of fact, if you looked at that compound she was talking about, the uh, border, the border encampment, it's actually pretty free. They, they've got a lot of room there. And this is an awesome quote. I, I love this quote. And I wrote the whole quote down because I think you just had to. I, you have to hear it. And I apologize if I, I slip up because this is a word-for-word -word quote and I don't speak stupid. So I, you know, it kind of like I can't roll my R's in Spanish. My st I can't roll stupid in my language. So it's, it's great though. I, so I have to read it. The reason Republicans, quote, the reason Republicans hate me so much is because I confront them directly on their moral, their lack of moral grounding on so many issues. And not just that, 
But the reason they're so upset and they act like that girl in The Exorcist that's like vomiting pea soup, that's like them and negativity. I'm not kidding. She said that. This is considered word vomit. She said absolutely nothing. She said absolutely nothing in that entire statement. <laughs> it was really funny. Here's the thing. I, I don't know why everyone gets upset with AOC. Conservatives, I don't think conservatives actually get upset. I'm entertained by her. I think she's absolutely hysterical. When she sits there and talks, when she minimizes the Holocaust with that stupid thing, and she keeps doubling it down, right? She never apologized for that. She keeps saying they're concentration camps, and she keeps explaining why they're concentration camps. I, she just sounds dumber and dumber and dumber and dumber. And I think that's great. Keep going. I think she's absolutely entertaining. So, but this is... <sighs> Let me put it to you this way, so that if I have anybody who is a, you know, like a millennial or... She, I don't even know if she's a... Yeah, she's a millennial, I believe. Like, I like AOC, like... Because she makes me, like, laugh and whatever. So, like, whatever. Like, I don't, like, get mad when she says things, like, offensive. I just, like, say, like, whatever. There's my AOC thing. And that was probably the funniest thing I did all day throughout this podcast. Okay, uh, one thing we're going to talk about, and this is not scripted. So, I, I had you, obviously, I had to script some of that because... I've never used like so often in one sentence. Heck, I've never used whatever so often in one sentence. So I had to script that. There was just no way I was going to get through it. We got to talk about Iran. So as you know, last week, Iran bombed, and there's substantial proof of it. And it's interna internationally and bipartisan. They've accepted that Iran actually bombed two oil tankers on the Sea of Seyus, I believe it's called. Um, in the Middle East. Uh, of course, their Mickey Mouse Navy actually uh, was caught on camera doing it. So the Trump administration, now these, these were, uh, one was a Norwegian ship and one was a Japanese ship. So basically the United States really had nothing to do with it. But these were the threats that the United States knew were coming. And that's why they were sending that battle group um, to uh, the to the Sea of Suez to the Middle East. At that point, there really wasn't anything the United States needed to worry about. All they had to do was, they were just going to, I don't know what they were going to do, patrol, uh, maybe escort some ships. That was about it. So it was still, I, the Iran's play was really, had nothing to do with the United States. We're not going to war, Okay. I'm going to say that probably about 15 times in this podcast. So then, I guess it was on Wednesday, Wednesday Tuesday or Wednesday, a drone flew over the Middle East, flew over the passageway, the waterway. I'm not going to try and pronounce that Middle Eastern uh, river, Middle Eastern passageway, because I just mess it up and sound really bad. But the Iranians actually shot at it. They missed it. And nothing came of it. The administration ignored it. They said, okay, well, they shot. Big deal. Well, on Wednesday night, 
Iranian the Iranians shot a drone down. Again, it's just a surveillance drone, no weapons, uh, no crew. Uh, it was $120 million, but they shot that one down, blew it up, landed in the middle of the sea. This is where things are going to get rather colorful. And I'm pausing because I'm trying to figure out if the order is absolutely correct. At this point, the next day, Trump announced that the drone was shot down and he gave the Iranians every option to say, okay, it was an accident. We had some guy. I think Trump would have been happy if they just fired some colonel someplace and that was it. And the Iranians don't seem to really want to go to war with the United States. And Trump definitely doesn't want to go to war with Iran. So, but Trump was waiting for some sort of acknowledgement of what was going on. That was it. So apparently last night, Trump had set up a set up an attack. They were going to bomb. I don't, we, we really don't know much about this, but it sounds like it, they were going to bomb several different radar installations, especially the radar installations that were used for launching the actual attack that shot down the drone. Apparently, and again, we don't know, and this is why I don't want to really bring a lot of this up until we actually see what's happening. Apparently, Trump, the planes were in the air. They were ready to attack these uh, installations. And Trump asked, well, how many people, how many deaths are there going to be? He was told about 150 deaths. And Trump, 10 minutes before the actual attack, with planes in the air, actually canceled the mission and brought them back. Now, I call BS on this whole thing. I think this was all talk. This was all showmanship. I think his point was to tell the Iranians, listen, we're going to have to do something, but I don't want to kill people. And then um, this is good and this is bad. Okay, so there's just really not a lot of information on this whole thing yet. There really isn't. But let's talk about, let's really quickly talk about some consequences here for the United States. First consequence, um, they shot down a drone, that's great, but doing nothing about it, just threatening. We threatened North Korea and we did nothing with North Korea. Threatening is not going to be enough. Now, you can hurt Iran, and Iran's already hurting with the uh, sanctions against them, and apparently they put more sanctions against Iran. Sanctions are not going to hurt, are not, or sanctions are not going to stop them from actually trying to stir the pot. Iran is stirring the pot right now. You do not need to go to war with Iran. And Trump is not a warmonger. We are not going to war. We are not going to war to Iran. I don't care what CNN or MSNBC, CBS, NBC, ABC, I don't care 
what the Washington Post says. I don't care what the New York Times says. We are not going to war. Trump was probably one of one of the only people after 9-11 that said we shouldn't go to war with Iraq. Trump knows that going to war with Iran is a really bad idea. It's going to hurt his presidential. Is excuse me. It's going to hurt his presidential campaign. And Iran is going to be far uglier than Iraq was. And we've fought with Iraq for 10, 15 years. I'm sorry. We fought with Iraq for 19 years. That wasn't our fault. That was Obama's. That wasn't. Well, it was our fault. It was Obama's fault for pulling out too early, and ISIS taking hold. We're not going to war in Iran. That's what it comes down to. Trump does not want war. He just doesn't believe in it. It's bad business. And believe me, he knows that if we go to war with Iran, yeah, the war may take may take two weeks, three weeks to finish. But then we're going to have to rebuild Iran. And he doesn't want to do that. Our economy is too good. We can't afford the trillions of dollars it's going to take to actually go in and rebuild that country. And he's right. Trump is right. The Iranian people are the ones suffering. It's the Iranian people that need to pull Iran out of where they are. The theocracy that they actually are. The prime minister of Iran, or whatever they're calling him, does not run that country. That country is run by the Ayatollah. He does not war, want war for Iran, but he want war for Iran. But he also knows, the Pentagon knows, and his people know that if Iran keeps pissing on the United States, keeps pissing on our power, keeps trying to throw mud at our eye, we're going to have to respond to stop it. And this is where Trump makes a ton of mistakes. First off, pulling pulling the flight group away from attacking, if that happened. I don't think it happened. I don't think Trump actually sent was prepared for an attack. I think that's a feint. I think he did he said that to make Iran realize we're there. We've got aircraft carriers, we've got all this military over there. Okay test us. He did not send. It was the same thing he said with little rocket man and his nuclear missile, my button's bigger, blah, 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 blah. That's what he was doing. It was a feint. It was not really true. Because do you know why it was not true? Why wouldn't Trump have asked before the actual attack that uh, how many people were going to be killed? That would have been the first question I would have asked. You don't wait until the planes are in the air to say, well, by the way, how many people are going to be killed? No, he did not do that. He did it because it was going to be a Twitter thing. And we're going to get into Twitter in a second. And this is where crazy Trump could cost him the election if he doesn't stop doing this garbage. So it was a feint. But here's the thing. He is going to have to do something. That's the other problem. You can't talk a lot of crap without actually backing it up with something. And here's the other point. I don't believe in this even crap when it comes to war. I don't believe, oh, well, they just shot down a drone 
which had no people in it, no one was killed, which is what he said. That's why we didn't blow up two installations that shot that that uh, drone down. And because there are going to be 150 people killed. Ben Shapiro said it best. We need to prove we're the crazy big boy on the block and we're going to do whatever it takes to protect us. We're going to be the bully in the schoolyard. When the little guy decides to throw a pebble at us, we're going to pull out our knife, threaten that kid to the point where he's going to just back down. And that's what we need to do. If it was truly, if there were truly 150 people that would have been killed, that would have alerted Iran. Not only did we take down two or three or 13 uh, radar installations, we killed a bunch of your people. Don't screw with us. The United States doesn't need to go to war. The United States just needs to flex their muscle. Flex our muscle. The military is strong. Our technology is way beyond what they have. If we went on a ground war, we'd take over the... And I'm not... I do not believe in a ground war with Iran. I don't think it's worth it. But if we flexed our, flexed our muscle a little bit, they're going to back down. They're in enough trouble. And if we're attacking military installations, yeah, they'll tell their people that, oh, well, they attacked an orphanage and 3,000 3, little babies were killed and the people will be ticked off. But the Iranian people are not stupid. They already, uh, most of them already dislike their government. Take a look what's going on in Iran right now. These people are taking off their hijabs because they don't want to wear them anymore. They don't want the theocracy to control their lives. I know a ton of Iranians. They can't stand the, 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 the Shah, or not the Shah, excuse me, the Ayatollah in Iran. They can't stand them. It, they're being oppressed. As a matter of fact, a lot of Iranians in the United States want the United States to do something about it. This is a terrorist country. But we don't need to go to war. All we need to do, flex our muscles. They'll learn. They'll realize we can't handle this. Wait till they shoot one of their freaking Russian surface-to-air missiles at one of our planes and our plane freaking outruns their missile. What do you think is going to end up happening? They're going to realize, oh my God, we have no defense. What's going to happen when one of our stealth fighters or stealth bombers walks into Iran and drops a bomb right in the middle of their uh, defense? They're going to back down. See, here's the, here's, the, here's the big secret. I don't think it's even that big of a secret. Iran doesn't want to go to war with the United States either. They just want to get their people pumped up. And they also want to manipulate what's going on in the West. The West, the United States, has a lot of hatred for Donald Trump. But that doesn't mean that Donald Trump isn't right. Donald Trump is negotiating with Iran right now. That's a great thing. But here, that's the other thing. This is the bad Trump. 
So Donald Trump, and I don't have the, I'm actually going to release a bigger podcast. I just want to find out what's going on because I'm not so sure something isn't going to happen this weekend. I got a feeling that something's going to be bombed this weekend. Um, Donald Trump's got to stop tweeting our foreign policy. He's really, maybe he's, he's some really, maybe he is the demented genius that he keeps claiming he is. But he keeps tweeting our foreign policy and it's just kind of like, dude, stop. Don't tell Iran what we're going to do. Now, he could be doing the same thing we did back with Normandy and saying, oh, we're going to do this. And we actually do the opposite. But I'm not so sure. It's just, I think this is a very, this is a very fluid situation. And we need to really... It needs to be watched. And I really don't know what to say about it. There's just so many variables going on that happened today. And I'm just not exactly sure what to say about it. I know what I like about it. I know what I don't like. What I think should happen. Every time one of our drones actually sees one of the uh, tugboats that happens to be part of the Iranian uh, Navy, we'd blow them out of the water. Kill them all. They're in there, shoot the, shoot the boat, sink the boat. You actually see a boat, you see uh, the Iranian Navy actually parked right out, right on their coast, blow them up, get rid of them. That's going to solve a lot of problems. The missile defense system in Iran is just not that great. And they do not have the resources to build their military anymore. They're done. They had to pull out of Venezuela because they didn't have the money. They are pulling out of um, the Palestinian territories because they don't have the money. Their economy is choking. I like the idea of a slow choke versus a stepping on their neck. Because stepping on their neck ends up up getting blood on us and we end up paying for it. So we're going to talk about Iran probably next week um, because I want to see what's going to end up happening. Thanks for listening. Follow me. You can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. You can download this podcast and iTunes at... Uh, Podbean at Podcast Addict. You can view this uh, pod. You can now you can't view anything, but you can listen to the podcast over on YouTube. I appreciate any comments, criticisms. It's fantastic. I'm still new at this, even though it's the 32nd episode. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Have a great weekend.